So welcome, y'all, to PhD in Color. We are four PhDs problematizing the graduate school experience. We're focused on narrating our existence and resistance in all these fucked up institutions. What institutions? <laughs> no. Go ahead, y'all. Go ahead. What institutions? Historically oppressed. Institutions like academia, <laughs> like fucking do you capitalism. Mean oppressed institutions, or do you mean people who've been historically oppressed, oppressed by, by institutions? Both. They're historically you came oppressed. with the academic clap bag before you fucking introduced <laughs> yourself. <laughs> yeah. So okay. So we're looking outside. We're gonna talk about. academic institutions but we're also looking at other institutions so the institutions that we're mainly talking about are all the institutions that we come into contact with on a daily basis first and foremost academia uh which is we'll get into that a lot more in the entire podcast but institutions like capitalism patriarchy all any racism everything that has a ism attached to it um Things that we do experience, things that we don't experience, um, and yeah, just all the fucked up shit that's going on in the world, but also the good things that happen to us and the ways that we survive and thrive these in- within these institutions and the way that we hold space for each other and love each other. And just a disclaimer, um, these are our experiences, so they may not match other people's experiences, so as we're doing this podcast... We're also working on unlearning and decolonizing our minds. So not to, you know, trigger warn or what have you, but just be aware that this is our space to process. And so we're opening it up to invite other people who I'm pretty sure are feeling the same way. For sure. So who are we? This is Academic Clapback. I am a Scorpio Sun, Capricorn Rising, Cancer Moon. I am in my third year in the PhD program. Just got my master's in the fall. Hey! Woo! I'm Big Belly Bookworm. Hey! Mm-hmm. Hey! 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 So I'm a second year PhD student and um, more seasoned than the other three. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, bit, you're not too good. A little bit of Larry's. Okay. Um, and um, also a mom. Hey. And have a life partner. Working through all of that, being in school full time and being a full time worker, a full time mom, full time mom, a full time partner, goddamn, all that goals. I know I can barely with one. (laughs) 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 All right, everybody. Um, I am the Hoto Scholar. I'm one fourth of this podcast. I'm a first gen college student. My pronouns are he, him, his. Um, I'm a Pisces with an Aquarius moon. I'm a second year PhD student in education, and um, I'm trying to come up on two degrees, hopefully. So it sounds like it might be in the works, and I'm really excited. Um, I'm very problematic, like the rest of the group here, but I'm very uh, about building community. So we hope that this podcast will give you um, hope 
or at least an idea that you can make it because we're trying to make it and you know we have to thrive and stop surviving because you know we we live in survival mode and that keeps coming up as like a running theme so yeah you'll learn more about us i think as we continue through the podcast so it's just a quick intro yay all right y'all my name is adriana emphasis on the d and the r I'm a first-gen graduate student, college student. Uh, I'm from Southern California. I'm a Latina. I'm the oldest of four. I'm 28 years old. (laughs) I am a second-year PhD student in in the School of Education. Uh, I have a bachelor's in sociology and a bachelor's in Chicanx studies. And I am one-fourth of the problematic PhDs. And like everyone said, I'm here to learn and unlearn a lot of the shit that I've learned, unfortunately, in public school, which is white history, white voices, white narratives, uh, and really also problematizing what it is to be a grad student, what it is to be in a PhD program and really pushing it back and resisting against what is supposed to happen, what is what a graduate student is supposed to look like and the things that we're supposed to be doing. Uh, so really going against those, those structures and rules of respectability, politics, and all this other shit. Um, I come from a low-income community that's beautiful and it means a lot to me. So we're going to talk a lot about all the different things that we brought up. And since this is our first episode, what are we going to talk about today, y'all? It's like word vomit. Like, <laughs> we've been waiting for so long. So yeah. just like a quick, um, I guess like a, what is it? Summary. Um, we've been trying to do this for I don't know how many months. <laughs> And the timing is super hard, and so we figured this is the time now because we are just came out of a class. So, um, yeah, so to put us together in a, in a room is sacred because it's very, like, few of those times, so. Can we, can we talk about how we met? Yeah, how did we all meet? <laughs> BBW? How did uh, we meet? Well, Adriana and I met. The first day of orientation. Hey. Just like that energy just like connected. Hey, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, are you in this party right now? <laughs> okay. Yes. Yeah. So we met on the first day of orientation. Uh, I think that was the, I wasn't going to go, but I think it was the best decision I've made so far was to go because I met BBW. Um, and then after that, we did everything together like we were in all our classes together we were meeting up studying um and then before that I had briefly met academic clapback when I was a prospective student in my program so I had come and had talked to my then advisor and he was like yo like you need to meet one of my students she's amazing she'll give you like the lowdown on everything, and I was, like, suffering from imposter syndrome. I was like, I don't think I can do this. I don't have a master's. I don't belong here. This is a very white space. It took me, like, four years to get back into school. And so I met her, and she was like, what would you tell one of your students if they were feeling just like you? Mm. And I was like, I would tell them that they can do it and that they shouldn't be afraid. 
And so now I'm here. And then I met BBW and then Academic Clapback and BBW and I were hanging out, getting a lot of info. And then we met Hoto Scholar. Oh, so cute. You like the last one. <laughs> I was like... How did... <laughs> I was like, hey, bitches. <laughs> so what happened? So how did we meet? Hoto Scholar, how did we all meet? Um, So I ran away from a red state. <laughs> As so we're noting that we're in a blue state. Yes. yes. So we're in a very privileged blue state, and so uh, by the way, we're somewhat blue. Somewhat blue. <laughs> there are true. huge pockets of red, but <laughs> we're all POCs. Uh, I'm queer Lat- I identify as queer Latinx, so POCs and queer people of color. So we're all here together. So this is very non-white and non-right. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, tidbit. So we met the first um, the first day of class. There was a mixer. Um, and before my my intro seminary course, that's when um, I remember I looked over and I asked Adriana a question, and then from there I just like I kept asking questions. I just kept like I was like I better stay here and I'm gonna talk to this person because I don't want to talk to anybody else at this <laughs> point. Because I was like, oh, I feel like a new student all over again. I'm so over this crap. And then from there, I don't know. We just kept like I I reached out to you on. Canvas because I didn't have your information because I knew we were taking another class together, and then from there is when I just it yes. blossomed. Then I met Academic Clapback, and then I met BBW. I, I remember I met you over text. Oh, that's right. Oh, oh this is seen. true. That's right. We were in a different group text. <laughs> The definition <laughs> of all your skin folk ain't your kin folk. Ooh, that's right. Hashtag. And uh, one of those skin folks was saying something really problematic. Oh, that's right. And we had a side. You know how you have like the group text and then it's like the side. Yes. Like, and we like, hit up that side that? conversation. Like, did they really just fucking say that? Yeah. And BBW was like, yes, they fucking did. And I was like, who, who the fuck is this person? <laughs> and then what happened after that is that that group text, the original group text, got deleted. And then the group text that is now this podcast was alive and well. (laughs) It was created and it's never been deleted. It's the only one of my group texts that I don't delete, actually, because it's so important and it's running all day. I surely do. I only delete, I only keep this one, one with my sister. Ooh, I'm telling them myself. One with my sister and then my, like, uh, my family group texts where, like, we all live in the house, which I can explain my living arrangements later. But, yeah. So that's how we met. Yeah. Talk about divine timing. I've been in this program for three years, and this is really the first time I've started to congregate with people for longer than a class. Oh. <laughs> So, so since you've been here the longest, how has it been so far? Ooh, how has it been? I think I went, so like the conversation about decolonizing and unlearning things, I think the first year I came in with this very like um, positive outlook on academia. I was super grateful to be here, super excited to be in a setting where, like Adriana said, I felt comfortable. And so that first year was just, pretty 
I would say the first semester was I was really excited, but I also had um, two of my courses with my advisor who was who is amazing um, and he he just had really great classes and really engaged me in a way that I hadn't engaged in my learning at that point. Um, the spring semester was questionable, but that's because of a white woman teaching a course, but I mean. Mm. Lots of things can be questionable when white men, women are standing up in front. Yeah. <laughs> or even sitting in the back. Ooh. Ooh. Or yeah, sitting yeah, next yeah, to you. Thank you. Go ahead. <laughs> but I mean, I think overall, like the same issues that have persisted in the program today were there at that point. But I don't think that I was being as critical about um, this program, and and I think I was just really focused on like getting through, getting done. Um, and then like there were setbacks in my mental health, and I th- and that's when my shift in like my priorities where I had to, like, prioritize myself over academia. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like there was this sense of, like, just moving away. And, like, I got what I needed to get done, but I wasn't as invested or as, or looking as much into what was happening in my school that second year. I was really just focused on figuring out what the fuck was happening with me. And so this year, I think being in, in a group where everyone is coming in with their critical hats on um, has allowed me to, like, start to push back into really problematize things within like the department that I'm in and not just um in the other class because the the first course I took that was outside of my department was the first time I really I think I I saw so many issues and I was one of the only people talking although there were other people of color so another Mm. I think another experience of uh just because they're your skin folk that doesn't mean they're your uh kin folk that was very real um but also seeing like the internalized oppression within each of the departments and like the curriculum that was being taught was so white in, in so many of the other departments in this class that like I was one of the only people coming in with a, with a critical mindset and that's, it's really problematic but it was also very demoralizing. And mm-hmm. I, at one point it was just like get it done and forget about it. Um, I talked about it with my advisor, I talked about it with another professor, I like vented about it with some um, peers but it's just one of the courses that you just have to get through. And so it was just really frustrating to feel like there really wasn't anything that could be done because at an institutional level, that course itself is something that someone in this institution is really invested in and is not going to let go of unless they leave. Mm. Preach. Yeah, but this year I'm just, I'm, I think <clears throat> I've centered myself a little bit more. I focus on my own, on my healing and my, my what I need but also building community and it's been really amazing to really invest time on like that social connection because I can be someone who would just like be alone and be okay with it and just go through shit mm-hmm. but so it's been really nice to be in community yes I was just enthralled with what AC I can't say all these mugs <laughs> That's fine. AC, ADR, Hoto. 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 What are we talking about? Like, that was a lot. I'm just like, how was your second, how has it been since you entered, like, up to this point? Oh, so 
there uh, there was an extended period of time between uh, me coming back to school and um, getting my master's degree and in a adjacent career. Mm-hmm. So I work at a post-secondary institution and um, had a lot of questions, but as a staff person, couldn't really do much about it. So um, I decided that getting a PhD and being able to ask these questions, uh, putting out there as a scholar was a way to do that, especially um, focus on the experiences of of black women uh, in America, especially uh, in the sciences uh, where most of those spaces, if not all, were not created for women, were not recreated for people of color at all, and a combination of black and women, people don't know where to put us. So, um, In the problematic corner. <laughs> <laughs> so, how did I get here? So, the first year, see, okay, I'm a little bit older, so... My, um, I was raised by a single mother who, um, was all over the place. Shout out to mom. Shout out to mom. She is weird. (laughs) So, um, I didn't have, like, a standard upbringing. So, um, my mom struggled with, uh, and still struggles with, um, mental health. And dealing with um, being a person of color and navigating those spaces and trying to admit uh, to um, counseling or psychological services and not thinking that that is a sign of weakness. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that was kind of like my chaotic. I didn't give like a lot of detail, but. Um, my education, my K through twelve education, was very Catholic, mm-hmm. and I was uh, in school where there were still nuns wearing spacesuits. Mm. So we, <laughs> <laughs> so we used to get hit with rulers in our hands and stuff like that. Um, and while. Uh, my education was European centered because of course these were white nuns teaching mm-hmm. um, black and Latinx kids, um, so it was very white centered, and a lot of times we were made to feel like we were defective. Mm-hmm. Even though these were nuns, um, but that is the formula of colonialism, right? Mm-hmm. Um, especially mm-hmm. you know Christian missionary work. Mm-hmm. Uh, white savior right like we are defective you're a victim where's your victimhood (laughs) I need my victimhood hat um and I mean same with like high school um I think my outside education was really important my grandparents were a part of the Great Migration, so mm-hmm. they experienced Jim Crow and um, were actually, like, sitting on the front of buses, like, years before 
Uh, Rosa Parks, we all know that, the, you know, there is a civil disobedience mm-hmm. um, way, way before that. So my, my grandparents were a part of, like, protesting that in the 1940s and um, got tired of it. So outside of the classroom, um, I got a lot of my education, like my um, Afro-centered um, education from my grandparents. Um, part of the hatred of white folks came from my grandfather, um, which I, I still try to, like, resist because I don't want to put everybody in the same bowl, like, everyone's bad, but every time I give somebody a chance and they, then they disappoint me. <laughs> <laughs> Here I am. Um, but I think because I had that education outside the home, well, in the, outside of school, inside the home, that was very affirming to, um, who I am. Um, that when I went out, went into like the academic spaces, K through 12, and then like my college and graduate school and master's degree experiences, um, I inherently wanted to resist that. Um, so I owe a lot of that to my grandparents, um, high school and ninth grade education. Um... So, I don't know where I was going with that. Yeah, so I don't, I, I mean, I remember, like, you know, like, the European-centered um, experiences, but I was like, no, this is not, like, like the full story. Mm-hmm. So, um, first year, I think, was, like, great of, of the program. Um, this second year is, like, a shit show. <laughs> Say it louder. I am driving the struggle bus. Oh, we all got a foot on a pedal. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. I don't even know how, like, fall semester, like, how. Happened? Yeah, just, like, rose my head and was like, oh, okay, we just submitted the last paper and, like, we're done. Yeah. Um trying not to trying to stay on top of things like this semester this spring semester um definitely difficult um i left um an institution where i was at for a long period of time um because of issues that um my moral compass was not in line with the institution's moral compass Mm -hmm. Um, so the transition of like leaving um, that institution for um, I was there for fifteen years, and wow. then um, kind of leaving that and starting anew. So the stress from that, and then still trying to do well in classes, still trying to be present mm-hmm. and participate in class, and. Trying not to cuss people out. Um, I think we're all trying to not cuss people out. (laughs) But I think that's why academic clapback is named, is called that, right? Because we have to have, yeah, we have to have that academic clapback on lock. Because we can't just be cursing people out. I'm not there either. I'm trying to learn. That's why I sit next to her. You know what, bitch? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I don't have you know that. Yes. Yet, but. 
I don't know if Ooh. I have an academic clap back. Sometimes I think it, it you did, did last Thursday. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I was on some. I was. I was on some other channel. It's we'll talk about it in dumb shit white people say. <laughs> that is, yes. uh, we're gonna try to see because we. I feel like we encounter a lot of those things here, <laughs> so shit, we can man. have too much. We can have an episode just on that. Um, yeah, I feel like I've been very like. There's a time and place for my academic clapback, and then I have to ask myself: Is this worth it mm. right now? Is this worth my energy and time? Mm-hmm. Because my initial response is: Bitch, what? Yeah, catch me out here by this parking lot, and then we'll have a conversation <laughs> real quick. And I don't know. That's how I think, and that might be that like hood mentality. Um, but whatever. I try to like figure: Is this worth it? No, it's not. I don't care about this. I got other things to worry about. I got mm-hmm. a dog. I got a man. No, nope, I got time right now for this shit. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. I got my buttons have to be pushed for me to be like, all right, I'm gonna get you at your level. Mm. And I'm gonna drag you across the room. Ilya has dragged. Like, come here, bitch. <laughs> That's how we grew up. Like, oh, you want to yeah. start some shit? All right, mm-hmm. meet me at 3 o'clock in this alley and we'll handle and then we'll be on our way. That's how I grew up. So when people talk, I'm like, don't talk. Do something and call it a day. I feel like that's why it's so difficult. I, I'm speaking for myself to, like, deal with situations where I just want to beat someone's ass and instead I have to write an email. <laughs> <laughs> or I need to, like, talk to someone else. And I think... I mean, I think that's something that is definitely, like, a part of, like, where I'm from, where I grew up. And, it. I mean, I have gone through a lot of therapy to understand that violence is not the answer. But in some instances, it's like, (laughs) yo, like, you really want it. Like, you really want it today. But I think, I mean, I think that leads into, like, for me, how this year has been going and thinking about when I first got here, right? So I came into this program literally at this huge juncture, this huge transition in my life. I had just broken up with my partner of seven years. We had a house together. I moved out. I had to get a whole new apartment. I quit my job at an institution, at a state institution. Uh, that I worked at and I was there for like almost five years and I had to literally like my entire life changed right before I came to grad school no one knew at my job that I was coming to grad school Um, none of my students knew so I kind of just up and left and then I didn't know I hadn't been in school for a long time. I had stayed out of school for a long time because I just always felt like I wasn't ready. Like it wasn't for me or like I didn't belong in places like this or I wasn't smart enough. So I was really looking at myself in a, de- in a deficit perspective for sure. Uh, but it was like a wild like year leading up to this. I had like a really bad mental breakdown during the process of even applying to grad school. Um, and I was, uh, I was diagnosed with severe anxiety and depression. And so that was something I was learning to navigate as well. And then I got to grad school and I was like, I don't know if this is for me. (laughs) I was like, everyone in my class had like a master's. 
I didn't have a master. So I was like, okay, like I'm behind my writing. I haven't been in school in like four years. Uh, and then I did well. I did well in my first year. I met dope folks. Uh, and I was really intentional on like not, well, first of all, I had the idea that I was just going to come and be a full-time student and not work. And then once, <laughs> and then once I got here, <laughs> once I got here, I was like, uh, yeah, we can't do this. Like, this is not for us. Um, so especially because in, in undergrad, like I had to work to stay in school. I was working two jobs the, almost the entire time. And so that was something that I was like, oh no, like we cannot be living like this. Like this is not the lavish life. So uh, I definitely found a job within two weeks <laughs> and I love one of the jobs that I have now. Um, and so, yeah, so the first year I felt like, <laughs> 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 you have a 50% chance yeah. of guessing which job. <laughs> I haven't even talked about all my jobs. We could get into that could be its own episode, but, um, so that was something that I was like, so many things were changing in my life. Um, and then I came to grad school and I was like, okay, imposter syndrome to the max. And then in my spring semester, I got a therapist and yo, that like literally like, I mean, I still struggle and like this academic year has been like a fucking raging bin of trash, but like. If I didn't have my therapist, I don't know what I would do. If I didn't have the people sitting in this room next to me, I don't know what I'd do. If I didn't have my family, I don't know what I would do. And so um, those are the, like, three things that really kept me in the program because the problem is is not that we can't get to graduate school. It's that we're pushed out. Mm -hmm. um, and so trying to stay, trying to make it worth my money, um, trying to make it something that is different, right? And there's this idea, I feel like especially here where we're at, because we have like the most diverse faculty and our program is the most diverse that it's supposed to be so inclusive and racially sensitive and, you know, that a lot of the trash things that are going on in the world don't happen here but unfortunately it's literally reproduced here in, in so many ways and so I think that's why this second year has been such a struggle because I feel like now like the first year I was all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and just excited to like be here and then now I'm just like okay hold on <laughs> I'm like, mm, I'm like, okay, but this is wrong and this is wrong. And I think also, and we've talked about this so much, uh, is that we're in the school of education, like researching, reading, talking, problematizing, like about all these different things that happen to students of color in, that happen to students of color in higher ed. And then we are also going through that same program at the exact at the exact same time, like dealing with things like mm. shit, other people's stupid ass internalized oppression, dealing with folks saying racist ass shit in class, dealing with uh, campus police and being policed on campus, dealing with folks that are in positions of power when they shouldn't be. Um, and so like all that stuff has really come up like in this past semester and has even 
like been brought into this new year and so that's something that um I'm currently dealing with I call this second year of grad school the terrible twos but the good thing is is that um I mean we're getting this money and we are presenting at major conferences in our field we are conducting research we're starting all these projects and so like we're on this like we're on a roll um and people just got to get out of our way in all reality mm. so we're gonna talk about that yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> like that's what i'm saying like the struggle bus is coming through. yeah that's what i'm saying the bbw <laughs> might be driving right but like we're on we're on our way to out like, the way miss frizzle <laughs> This is the real magic yes. school bus. Yes. <laughs> so what are some of the ways that like we cope with all this shit? Creating this. Yes. <laughs> um, oh, there's a lot. Uh, I just think giving each other that space to be like, to validate our feelings. Because as, as you all have mentioned, like we're like trying to like, navigate this trying to be very fluid in how we go through this experiencing the things that we're learning all in retrospect at the same time and it's like this is so much and how do i like process and understand this um and i think any school across the country like there isn't space cultivated like this and mm -hmm. there's not going to be unless it's like student driven or like students you know like a student's focal point because sadly, like faculty, staff, and admin, they're more focused on like the image and like the well-being of the institution as opposed to the students mm -hmm. attending these institutions. And the superficial, right? Like the superficial support systems, but not really like the the changes that need to go on at a deeper level to really address so uh, like the needs of students, students of color, underrepresented students. Period. And. That made me think about something, Hoto Scholar. So, like, your transition here was different. Oh, I didn't talk about that. Was yeah. different than everyone else's. And I think that it's really important, like, to touch on that, right? Because other folks may... So, your transition here was a little bit different. I think it's important to talk about because yeah. uh, a lot of graduate students go through that, like, mm -hmm. move from one institution to another but i think it's just not talked about interest so yeah i don't feel like they can even leave an institution right which is where i was where i was so as i mentioned before i left the red state <laughs> and i came um to a blue state with red patches <laughs> we'll say um yeah so i I'm technically in my second year, as I mentioned earlier, but I did my first year of a PhD in ed program at another institution. Um, we're gonna create like accounts. So like if you have like questions or like you wanna know more, I can like describe that like more personal as opposed to like just sharing on the podcast. Cause we're trying to like really um, also have that boundary of anonymity. Is that what mm -hmm. it's called? Or like being more anonymous so that, you know, um, it doesn't come back and clap back to us as opposed mm -hmm. to the academic clap back towards out you know the outward but anywho so when i got here i had literally just moved um i had just moved so i applied to transfer um over the summer after my first year and i was really in a space where i was on the verge of dropping out 
Um, I didn't, um, not that the institution was bad, but it wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to, I'll leave it at, I'll leave it at that. It wasn't for me. And I had to like make moves. Well, I had to make moves or at what I thought was quitting because how do you transfer a PhD program? Is that even possible? Nobody talks about it. Um, so I had to go through this. I, it was a very emotional spiral of, and why did I do this to begin with? Um, did I like, you know, did I like just, am I in the wrong space? Like, this is not meant for me. Uh, I'm seeing people that look like me that aren't being supportive. So I think that like, was just really hurt in terms mm -hmm. of like, I of all people to have um, my back or to be loyal to me, cause I'm a very loyal Pisces. So I figured these people would be loyal cause they understand what it means to be first gen. Uh, what it means to be like the first in their families to go through this whole process to you know try to be more like community community orientated but this is a game like any other game um, so as I was on the verge of dropping out um, someone I was working with uh, really put it in perspective that I need to continue and that I need to transfer and apply to transfer and then kind of drop this the this place was like oh look at this program I know does take students on a rolling basis and that's when I started doing my research and it was it, it happened so fast I really I was like I, I thought I didn't get accepted and like literally like one day to the next I got accepted and then I had to make the move within like two weeks so the day that I met Adriana was the the, the night before I had just got here so I literally like woke up, got ready, and came to the first class. Mm -hmm. So I hadn't even been here 24 hours. And that's when we met. But um, I think for me, so like my struggle, so I've been the, I've been here the shortest amount of time. My struggle, um, or like what happened to me, like my pro in processing, like I felt like I was processing while I was here, the decisions mm -hmm. that I made to pick up and leave. And like, you know, like thinking about, did I make the wrong decision, feeling guilt? Because I was like, I'm grateful that someone even looked towards me to accept me into a program. And am I doing them a disservice? Mm -hmm. Like, is there something wrong with me? Am I being like a total like asshole for doing that? And like battling with all those emotions of like, why did I come here? Was this even the right decision? Mm -hmm. um, am I gonna be able to like, am I gonna be able to thrive and not just survive here? And so I think for me, that critical point was connecting with y'all because I think I, once I connected with y'all I was like I really don't care if I make friends anymore <laughs> I was like I'm we good I, like, I was like I got my group yeah. and like I'm not here for quantity I'm more about quality and someone that's gonna have my back the same way I'll have their back um so you know making me think of that that final paper that we submitted mm -hmm. um when we're all working together in that classroom in December like it was like that's the kind of shit that helps me thrive mm -hmm. and me you know like not just survive in these spaces um, so yeah, so it was hard. Like I, I went ups and downs. And I'm like, I need to hold it together. I need to mm -hmm. find jobs. I need to like make sure that I'm taking care of all these aspects, taking care of my dog, taking care of my relationship with mm -hmm. my partner. Oh, it was a lot. Finding a place to live. Like it was like figure like do it now, bitch. Like someone threw a pinata at my ass and it was like <laughs> make it work. <laughs> so it was a lot, but um, I I'm very big on like everything has a purpose. So like. Uh, the queer gods or the divine or whoever was like, this is what you need to go through. Um, yeah. And a quick a quick tidbit. Um, every time I've been um, accepted into a graduate program, well, into a PhD program, I've been in Mexico. So I think that's connected to my grandma. Aww. 
Like, I really, like, every time I've been accepted to a PhD program, I've been in Mexico, and I've been home. Aww. Every single time. That's weird. It's not weird. Not for you, that's why. Mm-hmm. I love that. So shout out to Cookies out there, because I know she's, <laughs> <laughs> yes. she's watching y'all. <laughs> yes. I think that's something that, I mean, we could talk a lot more about, right? Is like, what are the kinds of things that have sustained us in this program? Because I feel like, I think for me, like I mentioned, like therapy has been so important in not only learning about myself, but also unlearning a lot of destructive things that I did. I'm a recovering codependent. So like I said earlier, I'm the oldest of four kids and that really has like shaped my life in the ways of like making sure that I always put others before myself and never really being modeled the idea of self-love and part of being in graduate school unfortunately is this idea of like being very individualistic and not really going in community and I think um something about this program that's different is that we don't have traditional cohorts and so we actually have to create that community with each other and we've done that um but it was really like difficult for me as I was like going through therapy and my working with my therapist through like not having to take care of everyone and everything all the time and that's something that I'm still actively learning um but also going against in the sense that like this like graduate school the model the top model of a graduate of a graduate program is a white middle class or elite man who is super individualistic who doesn't care about community and also is literally like burning themselves to the ground trying to do everything like research and publish and like so many things um and i just i don't fit into that stereotype whatsoever and i don't want to Uh, And I think that's why part of the reason why we're problematizing this is because we are not breaking the mold. We're not even trying to fit into it because we don't and we know that. And so we're moving away from that and we're creating our own structures and our own ways of thinking and epistemologies and practice. Right. And so I think that's one of the reasons why I felt so connected to y'all because we're just like, look, we're these four people who are coming from these four different places who've had lots of different experiences, but we're feeling the same in a lot of ways and we've experienced a lot of the same things in a lot of ways um, and a lot of ways and we haven't and we don't want to be that graduate student. I'm not trying to pull my hair out. I'm not trying to come out of this with, um, anything I didn't come in with, right? Like lots of folks leave programs um, because they have like serious medical issues that they've incurred in graduate school. Mm-hmm. Lots of folks get, you know, have like issues with their partners or, um, you know, have a lot of like things that happen in their family. And like, I don't want that as long as it takes me. I don't know. I'm, I'm not trying to be here for too long. I'm trying to I'll be on the five year plan, but I'm really not trying to like literally suffer, which that is really the what grad school is supposed to look like. Um, or what we've been told it's supposed, yeah, to, it's supposed to be. What we've been told it's supposed to be like you're supposed to suffer. You're supposed to like 
be alone and you're going to write your dissertation completely alone and, you know. No, I'm not. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, yeah, I my dissertation is going to be my work, right? But um, really, I'm trying to go together. I'm trying to, like, I'm not just trying to present. I'm trying for us to present. I want to for us to work on research. And I don't think that that's talked about enough, like co-authoring or co-presenting. And that's really what a lot of folks do is just that it's like, well, you have to step on everybody to get where you want to be. And that's also why I came here because I didn't feel that that competitive dog eat dog like, you know, culture was here. There's other pettiness and foolishness that happens here but yeah (laughs) but but that's one of the things that I am grateful for is that I don't feel like I have to compete with anybody because we're all gonna win and that's what's most important to me yeah and I think like our there's a lot of people who have gone through the system and have experienced a lot of isolation or experienced Mm -hmm. a lot of barriers and no one there to help remove barriers or help them swerve away from the barriers. And so there's, like, this mentality that I suffered through it, so you should suffer through it and, and just get it done. But, like, mm-hmm. we're not trying to do that. There's no need for us to go through these things. We can support each other and move these barriers. Move more. It doesn't mean we might, we might not be able to dismantle them but for now, but we can move them away or swerve. We can take that bus and go wherever the fuck we want because we we really have like a community here and at least within us, right? It doesn't, it's, unfortunately that's not the case throughout the department, but we're not trying to do that and we're also hoping that as we start to challenge um, a lot of the systems that are at place that are really reproducing that inequality, that future students won't have to go through this BS because it's just mm-hmm. unacceptable. Like, it's quite frankly not sustainable. Mm-hmm. Boy. So, <laughs> I mean, co-sign, co-sign. <laughs> um, just to add to that in terms of, like, taking care of ourselves, um, ADR, um, you know, really stress um, therapy. But I-, I want to take it a little bit further and recognizing when um, you may have like a chemical imbalance. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. for me, um, I've been in therapy for a long time um, because I recognized early on when I was a child that my mom was suffering. And mm-hmm. as I got older, um, I decided I didn't want to suffer. And uh, I recognized that um, wanting to take care of our whole body, not just mm-hmm. the, the physical, but our mm-hmm. mental health, does not equate to weakness. It equates to self-love mm-hmm. and um, wanting to be fully present. So um, what helps me um, is I do take medication on a regular basis. So um, I have been diagnosed with... Um, major depressive disorder and anxiety and um it is a chemical like imbalance in the brain and the medication that I do take does help me function um it didn't happen immediately uh so for those um who are considering or thinking about 
But it doesn't happen immediately, right? So it was like medication that you know I would take, and it didn't make me feel right. And it's a, it's really a relationship with your therapist, your psychiatrist, and like really figuring out what works best and not giving up. Mm-hmm. Like you know, trying mm-hmm. things, um, whether it's the therapy, medication, or a combination of both. So being okay with that especially as being in communities where um it's it's frowned upon mm-hmm. so um especially going through a phd th- you need it mm-hmm. we need it yeah um you don't want to wait until you're about to fall apart to mm-hmm. to reach out um any inkling of like something um that's about to crack like don't be afraid to like whether reach out there's like talk space or we're not sponsored by talk space <laughs> maybe yeah oh, but, yeah. but maybe you, we can be in the future space. um or like you know if you're enrolled in a program like really utilizing the mm-hmm. student health services um, and finding a way because yeah. yes, utilizing it, but yes, it's also super problematic. Yeah, um, there's been some very like, yes traumatic experiences people have gone through. I think also recognizing the fact that it's not just therapy, right? I think, um, and thanks PBW for bringing that up because that was something that I literally had to like put in my budget and say like, mm-hmm. okay, like a bitch is broke, but I have to like pinch all the pennies to make sure that I can go to therapy and shout out to one of my favorite podcasts Locatora Radio uh, yay where uh, where Diosa FM actually talked about Open Path Collective and so it's basically this this like membership that you pay $50 one time and then you go ahead and you find a therapist in your area you can choose from like there's like a bunch of different filters that you can choose um, and then your therapy is on a sliding scale depending on what you can afford. I think the max is 50 and the lowest is 30 um, and even that's a lot of money still, right? But I think one of the things before I, I was able to afford therapy was I just started, I downloaded a free app, um, the free version of the Calm app and I just started meditating like every day and that really helped me um journaling talking to folks I think that was something that was super important um was that I was able to talk to folks like my cousin um and my friends and my brother and my sisters about how I was feeling um and there was a lot of stigma attached to it with like my family there was a lot of like you're not crazy um, kind of language and things like that. But I think slowly, like, they've come around. Um, but just, there's lots of different ways. Working out um, helped me a little bit. Um, so it's just, there's a lot of different ways to, like, help, get help. Um, but I think therapy is something that has really, like, literally changed my life. Um, and thank God that I'm able, like, to afford it right now. Um, but there have been times where I haven't been able to afford it and I've had to skip ske- sessions or I had to like pause and then come back like after a month or so. So, um, you know, it just depends, but also, yes, do take advantage of things that are offered at your campus. Um, but also know that unfortunately there's a lot of bureaucracy, um, 
you may not get a person of color therapist, which has really like changed my life. But also I know folks that have had people of color as therapists who like were just as problematic as other folks. So it's, it depends. Or as professors. Oh, girl. <laughs> that's a whole... Oh, you're getting into the second episode. That's another episode. <laughs> it, can, it can be another, epi- like, a mental health episode. But yeah. About when I had a white therapist and I went to jail. <laughs> <laughs> she said, Ooh, Lord, I... Yeah. yeah. As you can see, a lot of ideas are flowing for episodes, so... If you're interested, keep listening. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so I don't know who's listening. Maybe one or none, but <laughs> we're hoping that this opens up to more and we can like create streams of communication to get um, insight, to get um, people to like chime in and you know provide perspective. Because uh, our goal is ultimately is to be able to reach to a bigger scale, so reach other. Um, graduate students of color, other queer, non-binary folks that are like, I'm going through this struggle and I feel alone. And being able to listen to four voices that they can relate to when they don't have something in front of them. We're trying to grow this community outside of the four of us. And, and I think remembering that this is something that so many of us are going through and we are, we're doing it and we can continue to do it. And we're not just doing it. We're fucking shit up. Yes. <laughs> we're doing that thing. We're not just doing it, you know. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I think we're excited. <laughs> doing it. <laughs> that could be that could be another that could be another episode. <laughs> doing um, it. What are you doing? But yeah, I mean I think on my half, I just wanna thank everyone, all two of you for listening. Um, <laughs> all 1.5 of y'all yes but there's gonna be more folks i'm manifesting that i'm mm-hmm. manifesting that because we're the way that we're feeling the things that we've gone through we're not alone right and i think um yeah i'm excited we need to send up an email send us feedback yes i know i want to be like we want to hear from you but like how <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we can set it up right now. PhD in color at gmail.com and our Instagram, PhD at PhD in color. So you just know that's available? Yes. Oh, okay. She manifested it. I'm so manifesting it. You can also reach out to my IG because I thought I was always going to put it out, okay. which is G Soul Star. Got it. I didn't put my stuff out. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, my, I wasn't clever enough with what I did, so no, not at this time. It's all good. G Soulstar and IG, but um, we will be setting our accounts up soon. Uh, again, we're uh, yeah, we're full time PhD students. Yeah, and, you know, we're trying to get together as much as possible to be consistent um, because uh, we're going through things just like y'all are going through things, and we want to be able to like. A, document it, but B, like, create that space to, like, share. Um, and hopefully with your input, we can grow this into more of, like, a community community thing. Yeah, we're growing our community. Mm-hmm. Yes. Or welcome. be more visible. Yes. Well, so welcome to our cohort. Welcome to PhD in Color. Mm-hmm. We're so- have, like, an outgoing quote. Oh, that would be cool to, like, end. Yeah, a quote. Who's got a quote? I feel like we've had a bunch of fucking quotes and we haven't ever written them down. <laughs> That's true. Get information. 
a white therapist sent me to jail. Oh my god. That's a quote. Uh, So the quote of the week is, um, "Girl, you look good. Once you back that ass, ass up, up. <laughs> yes. yeah, back that ass up. Because you gotta back your ass up. Yes, even while you're PhD. Yes, yeah. that's, that's, <laughs> that's for you, ADR. Yeah, I'm being, yeah. I am being called out um, for being Ooh. single, and I feel attacked. But thank you. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.